0: Welcome data people, we are Zuma, my name is Matt, and this is Data for Good. This podcast is brought to you by Zuma. Zuma is a dedicated recruitment company for senior data, insights, and analytics professionals connecting you with Berlin's most influential companies. The Data for Good podcast is for the world of data analytics and engineering, giving you access to the thoughts and opinions of Berlin's most successful people. Today, we are joined by Arun Kumar-Krishnan head of data and analytics at Volkswagen. I'm looking forward to this podcast. It's gonna be uh, an interesting episode. Arun is going to talk to us about the acceptance of data. Arun, welcome. How are you?
1: Doing good, Matt. Thank you very much. Um, it's, it's, it's been a really trying couple of years. I think the end of this quarter has been really busy as well. Um, but I think this is a really wonderful opportunity to uh, discuss, share opinions, uh, kind of set the basis of uh, what a standard transi- transition or a transformation of a data-enabled or data-mature company uh, really entails, the different domains and the different aspects that we really need to consider before uh, such a drastic change happens uh, at, at scale, I should say.
0: Absolutely. Everyone is now aware of data, um, whether that the... Joe blogs on the street or the CEO of businesses, everyone's aware of it now, doesn't necessarily mean that everyone knows how to use it and how to get the the best out of it. It's gonna be interesting to hear your thoughts and insights. I think first question, if you can uh, think back and as far back as you can remember, what's your first memory of data?
1: (laughs) Okay, good one. I have close to two decades of experience working with data. So I started with the data. Um, The entire journey has been with data right from the beginning. Uh, I started off with data warehousing uh, way back, uh, in late nineties. It was a, a really good journey, but I think at that point it was about collation of data. It was about warehousing. It was about how much data you could put together not specifically whether what you could do with the data, but what I could do potentially in the future. So you, you had various streams like Hadoop, we had uh, you know the entire perspectives of Teradata. So I started my entire career with Teradata version 4, V2R4, which was one of the earliest versions. <laughs> uh, so I started off as a developer, then went into solution architecture, and then went into uh, solutioning and product design and then went more into the technical uh, perspective and then went into data warehousing, the business intelligence, analytics. And now I had uh, the uh, prior, I was the data uh, guild head for Volkswagen and Carriot. And now I work as the head of data and analytics for digital marketing uh, since April. So I think uh, this has been a really fantastic journey. Um, we've seen the entire perspective from a development to an architecture, to solutioning, to uh, you know, product enablement, to solution building, um, the progression from the grassroots of data mm-hmm. to, to selling that idea to the business and then taking this to the business community as a tool uh, to enable them. And then, as you rightly said today, everyone knows about data. It's the new uh, oil, right? Um,
0: Absolutely. Or water, as uh, the (laughs) eco-people are saying.
1: Absolutely. So I think uh, people know about it, but I fear that people know about it for the wrong reasons. It's uh, the copycat scenario, right? People used to be really hesitant about copying uh, different norms or standards just because somebody else did it before. Now I think it's more from the risk factor that, oh, you know, ten other companies are doing it, so maybe I should be doing it as well. Um, there are probably hundred different facets of this entire perspective, but the core facet of data is to provide you the tools to run your business. End of the mm-hmm. day, that's where the buck stops. So you need to have perfect control and understanding of your business. Data is the baseline, or it's it's the it's the gas line in your kitchen, right? Mm you can have your ingredients, you can have your star chef, you can prepare all your ingredients, but if you turn the gas off, nothing's cooking. (laughs) Exactly. So this is is the baseline, but um, you couldn't say that, you know, just with data and no business acumen, you, you can get everything done. That doesn't help either. So the data folks should understand what is it as a business objective we are trying to get towards. And the business folks should understand that data does not replace business sense or business etiquette or business acumen it only strengthens it it Mm -hmm. provides the fuel to the fire it provides you tools with which you can gain insights you can see patterns you can see trends you don't have to rely on personal knowledge experience or uh, the entire track record you have it at your disposal you just have to spend the time to see it use it utilize the insights from it and take that to the next level so that's where this today's topic of acceptance of data in the business community uh, is really interesting because we've seen a lot of this. I've worked in probably five, six different domains, mm-hmm. uh, in healthcare, in tri- online travel, retail. I've been in um, banking and so the you know fintech industry, and now I am in an OEM industry. So uh, out of all of these, probably my current experience is the one that is most backward in terms of being technology savvy per se, not from the products, but from the business processes, because we've been sitting lush on probably eight or nine decades of absolute um, autonomy in terms of operations. This has been a completely manufacturing based industry, but accepting that change and accepting the the kind of power data has uh, on the autonomy of the business processes it becomes really scary for some people. So things start to move a little too slow for comfort. Things start to take shape in very uh, differed, uh, you know, forms of Mm -hmm. the true intent. Say for example, agile, safe, this whole transition happens because of enterprise concepts. Agile was meant to remove the enterprise concepts, but then got merged and transitioned into, um, you know, a safe concept, which works for enterprises. Mm -hmm. Similarly data, uh, and the importance of the clarity of data uh, starts to shift focus as in when you see the consumption, app, you know, the appetite from the business community vary quite a lot. Mm-hmm. So this is something that's really uh, interesting. That's something that I've seen transition over the last two decades.
0: You mentioned appetite and how, how do we allow people to have that first taste of the value of data?
1: Very good question. Um, I think it comes with a lot of responsibility. As always, right, they say with power comes responsibility. Um, I think it is really important that people who work in the data industry, uh, so to speak, first need to have an understanding of what is it that the overall company or the team is heading towards as an objective. Mm -hmm. Understand the goals, understand what is it that we want to achieve and understand what data can help you achieve in that journey, right? So it is just like, uh, if I put it in terms of uh, the OEM that I work for, it's like a navigation system for your car. You start from point A, you want to go to point B. It's not necessary that your car has to have a navigation, right? If you know the route perfectly and you don't need any stopovers or any deviations, you can head there without a navigation. But in today's dynamic world, there are- Drive, Driving home, for example. Changes. Exactly. There are constant deviations. There are constant changes in plans. So at every single stage, you need to know where are you. The different data points give you the GPS coordinates, right? So you can see whether you're on your chartered path. If you're not, how can I quickly get back there? Um, if I have to make a deviation, am I heading too much off target? If so, mm. how quickly can I make this deviation back? So. But it comes with uh, responsibility, I say, because end of the day, data has a lot of insights, data has a lot of power in terms of visibility and insights it can generate for the business. But that only works if the person who is consuming that has an acceptance and a trust on those insights or on that Mm -hmm. data. And more often than not, you will notice that there are many processes where data has its own corner cases data has its own gaps the white spots that we have the coverage or the exposure or the quality the required amount of quality that we put in place Mm -hmm. or how much we give importance to referential integrity or quality of the data that would severely impact the trust that people have on this data obviously when you start with your entire campaign initially it takes anywhere from three to six months To build that quality perspective into your data and only then you should take this as a front to the business and Mm. show them the additional insights that this can generate and how much positive benefit it can show to the business. But you have to complete that first cycle Mm. and that is what people do in terms of prototyping or the proof of concepts that people work on. This is the way to generate that trust, the way to generate transparency and clarity to the business and a window to show them that. All of this is being put in place for you to be able to do your job. So it's Mm -hmm. something like a manager of a team, right? The manager is there um, to make the job of his direct reports that much easier. Takes up the logistics, takes up the enabler uh, role, uh, makes sure that they have what they need in terms of support, education, uh, training, uh, you know, the, the entire enablement of the process. But as everything in the world, you see some of the managers taking a power trip, right? And you start to see that entire thing go off track because yeah. someone in the team has lost their focus. That is very, very similar in terms of the people and, uh, you know empowered with the data chart as well. So yeah. you have to make sure that you don't get into this power trip and you realize that the acceptance and willingness of the business community is absolutely vital. And that acceptance is really something you have to earn.
0: Hmm. It sounds like sometimes we as the data teams complicate it too much.
1: Very, very true. I would say not always, uh, but especially in the terms of machine learning and AI, I think this has become a very common trend, um, more so in business intelligence or analytics. It is not that common that we over things, but we probably do overestimate the power of transparency or the overestimate the power of influence that a mindset can have on the benefits to cost ratio. Right? So if you're investing time and money to get the transparency or the clarity that the business wants, it's not obvious to the business that this is something that they want to use. Mm. So, you have to earn the trust of the business community for that to be consumed in the way it is supposed to. It's not because, you know, yeah, the reports are there, you, you have to use it. That's not how it works, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I could probably make that akin to a, a patient and a doctor relationship. Mm. Just because the doctor has the knowledge and the tools and the medicines, he can't just prescribe anything to a patient. No. Especially if the patient doesn't accept or acknowledge that they have a problem, first thing. Second, what is the fix to the problem? They have to approach you. And then it becomes a tandem operation where the patient and the doctor come up with a consolidated approach, saying that this is what you need to do to rectify. It. And then the patient takes that away, works on it honestly, and then tries to improve the situation. So it's it's more working in tandem than advocacy. So you can you can help them get to that situation.
0: Yeah,
1: You can't force it down the throat of the patient saying that this is what you have to do.
0: Right. And we've um, seen issues with that for many, many years.
1: Exactly. And, and that is going to uh, only get that much more complex because of ML and AI, because ML and AI are instrumental with the quality and trust of the data. So if I don't trust the data, I don't trust any insight that comes from it. This is what we've seen in analytics. Right? Mm-hmm. Now you compound that problem that analytics at least has a track. It has structured data behind it, and you can yeah. prove some of these facts. You can prove some of these tracks or trends, based on what you are seeing, ML and AI is more, you know, based on uh, patterns or recognition, you're making a hypothesis, which you may or may not be able to prove completely factually to the business. It mm-hmm. is, you know, it's an educated guess that you're making based on patterns and trends, or similar.
0: So off that, how do we put in AI, ML into the doctor patient analogy that we're using?
1: Very, very good question. Uh, so let's let's say um, there is this study, right? There is a study that a 30, 35-year-old uh, individual working in this kind of an industry, probably there is a 68% chance that they could be prone to disease A or uh, deficiency B, right? right? This is the kind of insight or an input that an ML or AI component will give you as a trigger. Mm-hmm. Right? How you take that and consume it is you have to put a fair level of validation or verification on top of your current customer or your patient mm-hmm. to see how how legit is this trigger point for this customer or this patient. Now, if you see an indication that's 75, 80% in that direction, then you can probably run a couple of tests and say, hey, hey, you know what? Here are the symptoms that we are seeing, which tend to move in that direction. Here are the number of cases that have happened in the past. So you're tying ML and AI to pattern and trend analysis from analytics and, you know, the data engineering standpoint. And together, yeah. you form this package which you sell to the customer or to the patient. Yeah. And then the patient buys into your pitch. But ML and AI today gives the indication that you get 68% chance. It says, I, I, I don't want to take the risk. So here are the medicines that you're going to take. And here's the strict diet that you're going to be on what do you think that the patient's going to acknowledge? Option one or option two? Yeah. So this is the difference where you need to build that trust. You have to build that that equity in the entire equation as a responsible data process owner Mm -hmm. to show that this is in the right direction, not only from a consumption standpoint, but once it's consumed, you also have to show the track that yes, this did benefit your business. So you have to complete that loop. And yeah. that is where some people really fail because in many cases, we are able to show these triggers or the track, yeah. but we are not able to measure the post-fact benefits. What is that delta plus that we got? Or is that a plateaued out uh, effort? Or is it something that got negative results? More often than not, we don't, we don't take the effort or the money and the resources to track post-event conversions. We get up to the trigger point and the mm-hmm. inaction point, but we don't spend the effort in post-event analysis. By then, something important or something alternate has come up, and we, by you know, uh, we take focus away and we deviate it to some other effort or some other project or some other program, and we don't get this continuity. So more often than not, you will see larger companies. Uh, smaller companies, it happens uh, not that often, but larger companies, you will see these whole vicious cycles of prototypes running over and over again you never get to a stable platform where you say this has shown the benefit this got built into the process and has become part of the standard operating process it just continues one prototype after another after another after another
0: so what are the what are the benefits of this method
1: the Benefits is, uh, it's, uh, I, I would say it is the acknowledgement from both sides. It's a powerful yeah. tool but comes with its own responsibilities of using that to the best judgment. So the best way to do that is to build training and capabilities of understanding from a data perspective into the business world mm-hmm. and educating the business world of what data can do for them. This is not a competition between the two worlds. All right. It is a congregation of the two worlds to the end benefit of the, the, the business or the enterprise or the objective or the team or the department. We need to understand that, you know, the, in a society, it's not a one-man show. We don't have, you know, single warriors out there nope. winning battles. We have teams winning battles. And here is the congregation of a data team with a business team. Here is the congregation of analytics versus operations. Here is the congregation of underlying core data, which is, you know, It's got no customer-facing entity as such. It is just a raw fact. But how do you use that fact to improve the experience or the product or the quality or the costing or the efficiencies of a business product or a a service that is provided Mm -hmm. by a company to a customer? So this is the end fact that we need to understand. And training is the only way you do it. And you need to make sure that you practice this. It's not just about preaching. It's about practicing it and being able to connect with that with your values as a company.
0: I think it's as uh, as old as time that knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. So how can we bring these two together moving forward so that business and data can work as one and be more integrated into everyday operational processes?
1: It's a really good question. I, I think uh, there are, de- uh, you know, various... Um, approaches that can be followed. But there are some really common sense things in business that have been put in place, which when implemented correctly, uh, really exemplify uh, the approach of teamwork. Mm -hmm. One is your common values as a company, when you put the customer first, and you put uh, the common sense that customer comes first, but to be able to serve that customer, business comes second, which means that whatever we do, we do in the intent of keeping this business alive. So that we are able to give that service to the company or the customer, Mm -hmm. right? So we need to understand from a business standpoint, you provide a valuable service to the customer and customer first. But as a data standpoint, I provide a valuable service to the business and that keeps that ship alive or afloat. Mm -hmm. So that understanding comes with empathy. It comes with understanding that customers are customers, whether they are external or internal. And that common understanding of treating everyone as a customer, both external and internal, it really pushes you in that direction. This is one. Second is a very clear cut uh, mission, vision, strategy, and charter for each team. Each team has to know what's their responsibility and what's the role they play in the operations. Mm -hmm. There are teams, you you, you can have a shop floor or an assembly line. You can't have the person at the first part of the assembly line selling a car. At the same time, you can't have the person selling the car at the first part of the assembly line. They won't both be able to do their jobs. So everyone has to do their job, hand that baton over to the next person, do their job, hand that baton over to the next one. And at the end of the line comes a great product. And your journey doesn't stop there. That's just the product. And then comes the sales teams. Then comes the delivery teams. Then comes the workshops. And most of these people are either internal customers or external Mm-hmm. So, we need to understand that the value chain is made up of different parts, different entities, different interests. So, you need to consider everyone as customers and move forward with this process. So, I think these two things together with, uh, I would say, responsibly holding the uh, virtue of we're doing the right things mm-hmm. for the right intention. Yeah, we, there are some times that we have to take risks, but the main question you need to ask yourself is, would I be comfortable uh, of what I'm doing becoming public knowledge? If you can answer yes with that question for everything that you do, that's an amazing thing because the human morals, moral compass is extremely
0: powerful. Yeah. W- would you still do it if your mother was watching? Um <laughs> <laughs> If so, a transparency there, uh, I think... The kind of story you're telling there, what comes to mind is the the uh, Apollo mission when the president asked the cleaner, uh, "What are you doing?" Uh, I'm going to the moon, and everyone's pulling everyone's pulling together in a never growing individual world. How can we use data to facilitate teamwork and make sure we are pulling in the same direction?
1: So I, I would believe that data is its not partial to anyone. You collect data about products. You collect data about customers. You collect data about employees. You collect data about data. It's metadata. You collect data about machines. You, you collect data about business processes, about progress that we are making. It's just about what you do with the data, what's your intent, and what are you collecting it for? Mm-hmm. Just make sure that uh, your in, in German, there is a saying, which means that you're only collecting that data where you have the intent to use it for purpose A or a specific need, collect only that much that you need to, to get the job done. Uh, this is, I think, a, a huge um, lessons learned from the whole Hadoop cycle from data warehousing where it started off with costs, but eventually came down to different exposures of risk. risk that you collect. So all of the guidelines, all of the uh, processes and regulations that are being put in place is to ensure that you only collect as much data as you need to get the Mm -hmm. job done. No more, no less. So this, this is also supported by the model cycle or the model compass, as they say, Mm -hmm. but more so it is common sense. So try not to overstep or bite more than you can chew. And only do that much where You have a set expectation and SLA. You need to get that job done. What is it that you need to get this particular job done? Collect Mm -hmm. only that much data. Use it. If you don't need it anymore, discard it.
0: It sounds like discipline is is huge here, that abundance is a distraction when it comes to data.
1: I couldn't uh, put it any better.
0: it echoes society I guess we have we live in an age of abundance and distractions I think it it sounds that data is no different we need to focus on what we are trying to achieve no more no less Um, amazing well I think a question that a lot of people debate is where do we invest first people or tools or education, where does it start? That's
1: a very, very difficult question to answer because every society, every company, every team, every department is different. You need to get into that scenario, see what's working well, where the gaps are and start investing on covering those gaps. So in some places you have extremely strong people, but probably a lack of tools and lack of knowledge. In some cases, probably, the knowledge is there but you don't have the people or the tools in some places you have all three but you don't have the supporting business processes in place right so you can never say there is a one shoe fits all Mm -hmm. uh, solution for this you really need to get down at the level Uh, the only thing that you can say as a given which is a baseline is that the data processes and the data folks have to be a part of the business processes and the business lifecycle management that is a given. You need to understand that data is an extremely important uh, role right from the inception. And mm-hmm. it's not an after afterthought. So once you've designed a product, you can't come back to the, the teams and say, hey, by the way, the top product is released. Uh, can you help me measure it? You know, How's, 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 it, how, how's it doing? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so this is something that you need to avoid at all costs. And probably it happens nearly 50, 60% of the time even today in some of the smaller or larger organizations, probably that's improving for the better. But that one scenario, you take it off the picture. I would say that we really need to understand from a standpoint, what is it that we are working on? It's, it's the basic what? So you need to understand what your strengths and weaknesses are, where, you, where your opportunities are, where your threats are. And based on that, you have to implement. This is a standard business nomenclature. It's the standard data process nomenclature. Mm. So this is something that you you can't have a universal answer to.
0: No, very true. Not one size fits all. And sometimes we do see with startups, they're successful, and then they don't know why they're successful. And maybe this is where an introduction of people into data and tools could be um, an investment for them.
1: Exactly. And also it could be that the the focus is required in a staggered approach. Say for example, a startup, probably the the product is amazing. It goes out, gets very well acknowledged, taken. they make their their first S curve. And once they go to that S curve, they realize, oh crap, uh, now I need more clarity (laughs) and understanding. And they start investing in the data perspectives. And that might head in a completely different direction because it's not tied to the grain of a product. So then it starts to take these deviations. So you might see some of them are plateauing out. Some of them are still growing drastically. Uh, or some of them start to falter out. So depending on that stage of maturity they are on or the definition stage of the product life cycle, that will yeah. also have a, a huge say in you know the success factors of data.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we could go on for <laughs> maybe hours talking about this. Time has flown. Um, what a great conversation. But I'll, we're going to wrap up with, with one final question. How can we attract more people to the data space?
1: I think uh, um, it's a a very tough question because it's very difficult to differentiate between basic software practices and data practices. Mm -hmm. Um, I would believe that the only way that we can really attract really good quality talent in the data space is if you have mature business processes and business folks with the business acumen and a strong understanding of what data can do for them so that they can guide these data folks to scale up their knowledge curve scale up their presence and power of um you know what power they bring to the table mm-hmm. this attracts good quality talent there is no shortage of uh, you know resources per se to work on data but you have Um, I wouldn't say a shortage, but there is a lot of opportunity for data folks who have this business acumen to scale up to that that group. And that comes with only dedication. It comes with learning. It's just like any other uh, division. You you have Mm -hmm. to learn the traits of your craft. If our job was that easy, you'd have college grads doing our jobs. It comes with risk. It comes with having done the wrong thing 20 times. Now you know what not to do it's not important to know what to do. It's very important to know what not to do. And that is what experience brings you. And people have to take that time and effort to invest and build into the loyal uh, loyalty perspective of working in the data domain. This is mm-hmm. very challenging because each company is different. Each domain yeah. is different. Each product or team is different. So you need to have put in your time, done your toll on learning from all of these experiences and then connecting it to the business so i think there are a lot of possibilities uh, but it comes with dedication it comes with a lot of hard work and it comes with also exposure
0: i think we we could probably summarize saying that data is at an adolescent stage we've we've made it past awareness mm-hmm. we have um we have the, sleep, the steep steep uh, curve to get to acceptance but i think there's a lot of unfulfilled potential that we are working on and exciting times ahead.
1: Exactly, so as they say in the advertising space where I am, you've created the marketing gimmicks and you've created the hype. Now it is for the big sharks to bite, right? Both from a company standpoint and from your uh, delivery standpoint, which is your resources, your tools, your different architectures, infrastructure and things like that. So the environment is there. There are so many opportunities and there are also really good talented folks out there uh, who, who know exactly what they're doing. I think uh, it's just a matter of the S-curve. So it's just a matter of getting that traction to such an extent that it becomes you know, probably more autonomous. You never aim for full autonomy. You aim for more autonomy so people have more time to spend on the finer aspects of business.
0: It's, uh, it's time to walk to walk the walk uh, as they say. Well, I it's you taught us a lot today. Uh, I think it's been really interesting hearing your thoughts on on these topics and I think they lead pretty nicely onto a future podcast and we would love to have you on again in the future, but that's all we t- have time for unfortunately today. Thank you very much for your time and your insights everyone. It's been educational for us all and a topic that everyone is talking about. To the listeners, as always, drop your questions and feedback into the comments section, and we'll pick some out to be answered on future pods. Please don't forget to like and share so we can get this message out to as as many people as possible. But for today, it's bye from us. Thanks once again, Arun.
1: Thanks a lot. It's a really nice opportunity to discuss, and it's been fun talking to you.
0: And to you too. But to everyone, ciao for now. Thank
1: you.